good enough to lift the third of our cleats. Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot, moron. Gab eater. Watch this. Hot liquor. Fart smeller. <laughs> you eat dog crap for breakfast, geek. You mix your weed with your mama's phone jam. Yeah. yeah. You bop grapples in the toilet. And you like it. You play ball like a girl. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to that cozy little corner of cyberspace we call the Sunday Night Sandlot, brought to you by SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, and I would like to welcome you aboard for what we hope will be an entertaining and informative 60 minutes of fantasy baseball news and analysis. This week, we are going to take a look back at some of the various preseason prognostications we made over at so-called fantasy experts and assess just how those predictions are panning out now that the season is roughly one-third over. We will get to that right after we take a look at the latest news, so if that sounds like a good time to you, then pull up a chair and let's talk some baseball. It is time, of course, to introduce my counterpart here in the Cyber Studio. He is the co-founder of SoCalledFantasyExperts.com, a veteran of the fantasy sports industry, and has been playing fantasy baseball for over 20 years. Currently, he is in charge of aggregation efforts at the Fantasy Sports Network and is also a member of the inaugural Tout Wars X League. Please say hello to the Roto Daddy himself, Mr. Doug Anderson. How are you doing tonight, Doug? I'm doing good, Buck. How's things going? Oh, we are doing all right now. You were right before we're going on. We're we're going to have a guest tonight. I I understand uh, who's uh, we're going to have a very special guest. So should we not let's not tip this off as to who the who, we call this a surprise guest tonight? Okay, and it'll kind of be a surprise uh, surprise to everybody. Will that work for you? It works for me. I won't give it up. It's it's kind of like a Santa Claus coming. Well, we'll just wait for the phone to ring. Then I will just do that. We'll we'll talk about the news in the in the meantime. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Folks, if you are listening live to us tonight and would like to share your thoughts or ask a question in the chat room, please do feel free to do so. We have skilled, courteous, highly trained, and woefully underpaid operators who are standing by to do their very best to make sure your questions and comments are shared on the air. Doug, of course, the big news of the weekend had nothing to do with baseball. We have another Triple Crown winner after, oh, good night. I guess it was, what, 1978 when we had the last Triple Crown winner? American Pharaoh is now the the newest, uh, latest Triple Crown winner. Any any thoughts, Doug? Did you see the race? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm not, not really into the horse racing thing, but I, I do remember, what was it, affirmed in 77, 78, that time frame was the last one? That was the last one, and there was a horse when affirmed it. I'm, for some silly reason, I, I do know a lot of the trivia about the Triple Crown. There was a horse that ran that year and finished second in all three races. The horse was named Aladar, and it makes you wonder if affirmed had not been there, <laughs> Aladar may well have run the Triple Crown because the, the stretch run at the Belmont Stakes, was, I don't care if you're a horse fan or not, it was – high drama because it was one of those you know it's Aladar by a head it's affirmed by a head it's Aladar by and they did that right down the stretch run at the Belmont and it was it was right up there 
with the uh, the Secretariat in the '73 Belmont, which was a moment that really kind of transcended sport because it was it was just remarkable. But uh, congratulations to American Pharaoh, the latest Triple Crown winner. Doug, to baseball, let's start right here with our Tampa Bay Rays. We had something happen today that has never happened before in baseball history. Now, boy, oh boy, as long as baseball has been around, when you say something like that, it must be something special. Chris Archer had his third straight start with at least 10 strikeouts and no walks. First time that has ever happened. Boy, who saw Chris Archer coming this year, Doug? Well, I think we knew he had the the ability to take another step forward. One of the things we're going to do today is look at our articles from the spring and kind of grade ourselves something <laughs> on our picks. One of the articles I wrote was about which pitchers could be the next um, – Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber, sorry. I was trying, okay. scrolling through the article. Which pitcher is going to be the next Corey Kluber? And, you know, the, the idea was that a pitcher who we thought we knew and had a set level of performance, well, I think uh, I think right. we should have been looking right here in Tampa because he has taken everything to the next level, and I, I think he's for real. I, you know, he might not maintain this kind of strikeout ability, but – the stuff is there to do it. He's got the control, and he seems to have harnessed the mental side where in the past we've kind of seen him get, get a little bit excitable and kind of lose track of things here and there. But I'm a big believer in Archer, and I think he's going to maintain something close to this level. Yeah, you had today, he had just an absolutely wicked slider. And it was a little bit of a perfect scenario because not only did he have a wicked slider, but uh, he had Doug Eddings behind the plate who is an umpire who kind of has a reputation of finding a strike if it's there to be found. And he was, and I don't want to say he, I didn't really notice him miss any calls, at least by the little tracker, but he was calling all of the strike zone, no question about it. So Archer had that going for him today, but even with the tightest strike zone in the world out there, Archer was just silly good today. So congratulations to him. And yeah, I, I think you're going to earn yourself an A on that little report card when we get that far down the, down into the show here, a little bit of uh, serious news from the Rays standpoint, Brad Boxberger unavailable again today. You remember he had kind of a bumpy outing there, I believe it was Wednesday through 32 pitches. So he wasn't available the next day. Okay. Then he wasn't available the next day. All right, what the heck is going on? And he wasn't available again today. And we covered this in the bullpen bullpen briefs, both the um, the weekly and the little daily updates that uh, that I do in there. And uh, turns out he has some triceps tightness. This is from uh, manager Kevin Cash at the post game press conference. Guess he threw off a mound on Saturday. And what they're saying is hopefully he will be good to go next week. Did you see anything else on this, Doug, in the last few minutes? No, I haven't heard yet. I mean, it's scary any time you're talking about arms, and usually it's forearm tightness that's a little more, uh, gets me a little more nervous. But the thing that I'm wondering, it's been kind of a crazy week. I haven't got to see uh, many of the Rays games, but why did they go to Kevin Jepson and not Jake McGee? Uh, you know, have you heard anything on that since you're the bullpen maestro? No, it's. It's kind of been a case of in today, you know, when Kevin Cash, when they were first talking about it, he said, we're just going to play the matchups. And today, Jepson had some pretty favorable matchups against the people that were coming up. And the middle of the order was who Jake McGee got in the eighth inning. So he's really approaching the whole late game 
scenario differently than we've seen a lot of managers do. And McGee hasn't, I think he, it was like the first time he had pitched back to back or something, but Jepson has, and so maybe he didn't want to run him out there in the ninth inning uh, today. I don't know, but Jepson has been so good. How do you not give him the ball? It's, it's kind of a results, results based uh, strategy. So right now, Jepson, I, I would say he's a good speculative ad if you're looking for saves with the caveat that obviously Kevin Cash is kind of marching to his own drum on the, the ninth inning, and he's going to not only go with the hot hand, but he's also looking at matchups. So sometimes the most important three hitters in the game are not the three in the ninth inning. So I would I would say that don't don't expect Kevin Jepson to just step in and, and be the, the, the lockdown everyday raise closer. But if you're chasing saves, he's definitely a guy to, to own right now, you know? Yeah, I think the, the, the thing that's clear is the Rays don't follow a formula. There's no, oh, well, Boxberger has to be the closer. I don't think they really care who's the closer. You know, we talked in the preseason, both you and I thought that if Grant Balfour had pitched decently at all, he might have given a shot. You know, it turned out that he was pretty much done. But the idea is still there, still there that the Rays, it really doesn't matter to them who's closing. They're going to go by matchups. They're going to go by results. And uh, any of those three pitchers, I could see scenarios where any of those three could be the closer. All right. Uh, a little more Rays news. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, boy, pitched so well and is hurting with an oblique right now. Haven't really heard a time frame. I have to assume he's going to miss his next start. But uh, have you have you heard anything more on Odorizzi other than what we already know? No, I've been I've been waiting to hear it because uh, oblique yeah. injuries they can turn from one or two weeks into something that bugs a pitcher for a month or more. So it's a little worrisome, right. especially with the Rays rotation and all the injuries already. You know they're throwing out pitchers that nobody has heard of, and somehow they're still competitive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Erasmo Ramirez has just been. It's been quite remarkable what uh, what that young man has done since he's. Uh, since they put him into the rotation. But some good news is Matt Moore is already made a, his first rehab start, and he is scheduled for a second rehab start. Thought it was going to be Monday. Looks now like it's going to be Tuesday up here in Dunedin. He's going to be starting against the Charlottes, or the, for the Charlotte Stone Crabs against the Dunedin Jays. So Moore probably going to need – four, five, six rehab starts before he's good to go. But it will, if, if he's back in form, and he looked very good in his first rehab start, if he's back in form, that is something this team sorely needs right now, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I don't. I wouldn't expect him to give the, the Rays a huge amount of innings, but with the way the rotation shapes up right now, uh, just being a left-hander and the strikeout ability, it, just giving that much more depth has helped the team. And as far as fantasy owners go, I, I've actually got more in some of my AL-only leagues yeah. because, you know, rather than pick up some scrub for your your bench, why not take the DL Matt Moore, who at least when he gets here, has the potential to, to be a real contributor. So I've got him, and I'm hoping he can come back and be a, you know, for my fantasy team, at least the number five, six starter type, give me a few wins and some decent strikeouts. Right. And another guy whose return is kind of on the horizon is Jose Fernandez. And this is somebody that's a bona fide ace, of course, got kind of knocked around in his first rehab start against the Charlotte Stone Crabs. 
gave up five earned runs and eight hits in three innings. But, boy, it's it's good to see Jose Fernandez out there on track, and they're talking July for him to be back pitching again. Yeah, it's, he's definitely, you know, when you're looking for contributors midseason, even in the mixed league, there's, you know, there's usually a decent supply of, of usable pitchers. But if for some reason Jose Fernandez isn't available, he's got the type of potential to be a lot more than usable, and you're just not going to get many opportunities to get that during the season. You know, we don't know how he comes back. Every pitcher is different. Some come back. Matt Harvey pretty much seems like he's jumped right back where he was. Other pitchers have struggled. So it's hard to count on anything, but what you do know what kind of potential he has. Well, sure. The potential is is enormous. The ceiling is, is pretty much as high as it gets amongst starting pitchers. Speaking of high ceilings, and let's talk a little bit about waiver wires. A uh, young man who uh, was the darling of many a waiver wire pickup over the weekend or during the week, Joey Gallo. Of course, Josh Hamilton went on the disabled list, and the Rangers picked up uh, third baseman Joey Gallo from Double A Frisco. Um, Adrian Beltre also went on to the uh, onto the DL, so that necessitated the call up of Gallo, hitting three fourteen, nine home runs, thirty one RBI in thirty four games in Double A. Doug, what do you think about this guy? When he hits it, it goes a long way, but he does swing and miss an awful lot. Yeah, I, he's one of those hitters though that makes special contact. You know, I, we talk about the you know sound of the bat coming off the ball coming off the bat, that type of thing. Joey Gallo is one of those players, and I think, no, he's never going to be a 300 hitter, but as I've watched Chris Bryant come along, you see that even with the strikeouts, Chris Bryant is going to hit for a pretty decent average. I think Joey Gallo is along the same lines. I don't think he's Chris Bryant, but I think he's going to hit 250-ish, 260-ish. He's actually, you know, improved a little bit in the strikeout this year. Last year, you're talking almost 40% in AA. This year, it was at 33%. It's still a lot of strikeouts. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that at all. But, uh, you know, I see that he can make adjustments, so that's promising. You're going to get a lot of homers. I think the question you need to ask, you know, is it possible the Rangers stick with him when Beltre gets back and use Gallo around the field. He's played a little bit of outfield. So that's the question for me. I've got some leagues where I'd love to grab him on the waiver wire, but you'd have to spend a lot of – we use the free agent um, acquisition budget. You'd have to spend a lot of money to get him, and I don't know if you want to spend that if he's just going to be there those two weeks. So I think that's that's where I'm wondering is, is it possible he stays a little longer or not? Yeah, I think he went for – in the the blog wars league, I believe he went for like a hundred and twenty something if i recall it was it was a pretty good chunk and it's a thousand dollar fab budget yeah. so he went for quite a bit and obviously if he stays if you know if if for whatever reason he sticks around uh, it could turn out to be a bargain but if he's back down in double a triple a whatever in a couple of weeks, then it may not have been money worth. Whoa, Doug, that, that's the red phone. Uh-oh. Doug, the red phone never rings. I'm going to answer this. Uh, Who it could in the be world important. could that be? Wow, the red phone never, ever, ever rings. Hello, so-called fantasy experts. All right, the red phone still rings. It's a broken phone. 
<laughs> it rings after you answer it. Imagine you... that. <laughs> who in the world is calling on the red? Doug, is that who I think it is on the red phone? I, I, Richard I Milhouse Nixon. This, wow. <laughs> Folks, we are pleased to welcome into the Cyber Studio a man who has been writing about fantasy sports online since 2000 and has been playing fantasy sports since way back in 1989. He was a senior fantasy writer for CBS Sports for com for five years, and he has been published on MLB.com, NFL.com, FoxSports.com, USAToday.com, and sportsillustrated.com. Please join me in saying hello to the co-founder of so-calledfantasyexperts.com, Mr. David Ganos. David, how, hey, are, how's it going? are you doing tonight? Fantastic. Are, that's a lot of dot-coms. That sounds like an awful lot of... That's a lot of, of uh, dot-coms. Guy couldn't hold down a job. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> Well, so, so, suffice it to say, you've uh, you, you've made the made the rounds in this industry as very few others have. A um, fantasy writing they, prostitute. They just pay me. I show up wherever. Oh, uh, you uh, just gave away your next website. Fantasyprostitute dot com. I'm gonna guess that's taken. That's probably well, it probably is now. Um, Vegas somewhere. It, it, yeah, Dave. Now I know you've got some news for us tonight, but uh, we got a couple more little news blips here. Would you Would you mind kind of sticking around and opining because we got a couple of things that probably are going to be very fantasy relevant in the coming week in daily games. So, sure. all right. First, first and foremost, now this one is is a little bit near and dear to my heart because I, of course, write that bullpen briefs column. Uh, Fernando Rodney seems he's been having a little bit of trouble in Seattle. And now he is not the Seattle closer anymore. It is the dreaded bullpen by committee. But there's a young man there named Carson Smith. And uh, Dave, were you, were you following this this week of what was going on with what uh, uh, what uh, Lloyd McClendon said about Carson Smith? And he kind of no, I missed a that. Of a, you know, a swipe at him. Yeah, I was just say I, I missed that, but I, I caught your uh, bullpen briefs, but um. Yeah. But yeah, I know I missed what McClendon said. Uh, Doug, what did you make about that? Apparently, he he said that you know Carson Smith was not ready to close, and he was he was sticking with Rodney, sticking with Rodney, sticking with Rodney. What did you make all that? Well, I think it's a lot more about you know trying to stick with a veteran closer, and uh, you know showing the respect for what Rodney has done. I think I feel like the guy who's yelling "Get off my lawn, get off my lawn." But if Fernando <laughs> Rodney would straighten out the hat. I really think he could so throw strikes more consistently. The crooked hat, crooked pitches, it doesn't work. Yeah, and boy, he had it dialed in for you know really three seasons. He was just uh, unhittable, and he the stuff is there, but sometimes getting it over the plate or getting it too far over the plate has been a it's problem. We've, so we've kind of ahead, expected Dave. we've expected this fall off ever since once he left the Rays and uh, Jim Hickey. Yeah. We kind of been expecting this fall off, and he's been keeping it at bay for, uh, you know, more than a season now. And right. we seem to have forgotten that we were expecting the drop-off. <laughs> well, yeah, it's been just about everybody every year has been waiting for, for Fernando Rodney to go back right. to being what he was before he arrived in Tampa Bay. And it hasn't happened until right now. But if Carson Smith is somehow available, in at least my opinion, this is the guy to have. He's got uh, – a fastball that touches 100. He is a, 
uh, or excuse me, he does not touch 100. He hits in the low 90s, but he has swing in this stuff. He's uh, way up there in strikeouts, and he appears to now be in in uh, in line to get saves in Seattle. So if you're looking to pick somebody up, Carson Smith is is definitely the guy. Somebody who might be available a little bit sooner than what was originally expected, Doug, is Jorge Soler of the Cubs. He says he is expecting to be activated on June the 17th, the first day that he's eligible. What, what do we make of this? You think it's actual, he actually could be back? I thought they were talking like four weeks for him. Well, I, I, from what I understand, he's going to be back the uh, first time he's uh, eligible. But I think I, I'm writing an article right now that should be out tomorrow morning about hitters that you, if you know your team hasn't done what you thought it would out of the out of the gates, and you have to increase the value on your team. You have to somehow add new talent with you know buy low hitters. And I think Solar right now, Soler is at probably his lowest value. He can do a lot more than he's done so far. He's he's someone that I'm trying to take put some feelers out. In keeper leagues, the owners are pretty you know they're they're holding on to him. But I think Soler is a hitter that has a lot more than what he's shown. So he's one I'm targeting. You know he does have a history of injuries in the in the minor leagues though, so that's a concern. But I think you can get him pretty cheap right now. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely say so. And. He was showing a lot before he went on the DL, so if if he was dropped, he might be a a worthy pickup right now. Gentlemen, both of you have been watching baseball for a long time, and we're going to talk about the guy who does touch 100 miles an hour with his fastball, a gentleman by the name of Carter Capps in in Miami, and Mr. Capps and a gentleman by the name of Pat Vendetti in Oakland. These two guys deliver a baseball – in, in a most unique matter, Venditti, of course, is an ambidextrous switch pitcher. He pitches right-handed to right-handers and left-handed to lefties. And Carter Capps, uh, Dave, have you ever seen anything like that? He's got that little hop where he kind of hops forward off the mound, releases the ball, looks like about 10 feet in front of the rubber. Have you ever seen anything like that? You know, it's, I haven't, but you're wondering why we haven't seen more things like that. Like, you know, last week we had the um, college softball World Series on ESPN, the, you know, right. women's college softball World Series, and they do this little hop as they, you know, throw underhand. And uh, why don't we see more of that? Yeah, Doug, uh, you you were a pitcher, and I'm sure you've, you've watched a lot of pitchers and probably coached some pitchers. Have you ever seen anything like either one of these two guys? Well, I don't see I, – I haven't seen Vendetti – how do you say the name, Vendetti? Vendetti. Yeah, I haven't seen him pitch, but I've seen Carter Capps pitch. And honestly, I don't see how it's legal. His his foot, his push-off foot, loses contact with the rubber. And it, it's almost like watching someone do the triple jump, where he he's yep. another couple feet closer to the plate. And it seems like it should be almost illegal. And I guess as long as he does that with every pitch – it's part of his motion. I guess you'll live with it. Uh, the other guy who is uh, throws from both sides of the plate, I'm, I'm also a stat stringer for Major League Baseball Advanced Media. We have special rules and stuff that we have to use to deal with this guy because one batter he can go right-handed, the next batter he could go left-handed. So he's going to be a big pain in my uh, neck. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and- and if you you really do a do a search on Pat Venditti, uh, V-E-N-D-I-T-T-E, glove, 
and see yeah. the special glove that this guy has. He has an ambidextrous glove that is just, it is a, a strange looking beast. But you know, remember just, um, Antonio so, Alfonseca? That's what I was yeah. just going to say. Yeah. yeah. You know, wouldn't he have glove. a glove like that? I don't know I if he did he, or not. I wonder if he squeezed because I remember I, I read that article in ESPN magazine too about the uh, about Vendidian. I, I was thinking Alfonseca because he had six fingers on each hand, and I thought he maybe yeah. he only had six. No, I think he had six fingers on both hands, and maybe he just yeah. put two fingers in one finger of the glove. Yeah, don't know, him. but it's remember his nickname. It's, it's, oh, no, I don't. Doug, you remember that? No. What was it? What was it? Uh, we lost. We lost Dave. He did didn't show up on did the switchboard, so he. Uh, All right. Just well, like him, he, he leave us hanging. <laughs> yeah, I know. He throws a trivia question out there, and then all of a sudden he's gone. Uh, real quick, while we're waiting for Dave to reconnect again, Doug, uh, in, uh, Danny Santana, the Twins optioned him to AAA. So if he is in your lineup for next week. This is a guy that, boy, we had such high hopes for. Um, had a real nice uh, partial season last year, 319, seven homers, 20 steals in 101 games. Oh, there goes the red phone again. This time the red phone stopped ringing when I answered <laughs> the red it. red phone stopped ringing. Wonderful. Uh, hey, sorry about that. You know, I have a problem with this. I have a headset in my, in my iPhone, and sometimes they don't uh, like each other. Um, so, so what's but, the what's the answer to the question? The, the, sorry, uh, yeah, I, I left it hanging. Nickname. It was perfect. Yes, you did. Uh, so the answer was the nickname for Antonio Alfonseca was El Pupa, which in Spanish okay. means the octopus, which makes sense. Oh, <laughs> <Now> that, <laughs> right. Well, there you go. Folks, you were listening. Like you are listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founders. First, the Roto Daddy himself, Doug Anderson, and also joining us tonight is Mr. David Ganos. A little bit later on, we, uh, Doug and I, are going to be looking back at some of the preseason picks and pans, sleepers and busts articles that we wrote for so-called fantasy experts, and we're going to kind of give ourselves a report card, see how those players are faring, and if we swung and missed or if we hit it out of the park, and I can tell you we did plenty of both. But first... David Ganos, you have a little bit of an announcement for us. Why don't you go ahead and uh, just break the news and uh, let us know what uh, some of the late breaking news is at so-called fantasy experts. <laughs> All right. Yeah, actually, you know, now that I'm, I'm listening to you, and I, I think, Buck, it's one of those. Uh, I'd like for you every every morning to read the the Roto World headlines to me. Some of the dulcet <laughs> tones of Buck Davidson. You know, <laughs> you know it sounds tones. like. Uh, like uh, you know, Americana, like sitting on a on a rocket chair, just listening to baseball and Buck Davidson. Right. He's the Vin Scully of fantasy. <laughs> I have a great face for radio. It has been documented <laughs> time and again. <laughs> well, um, let's see. We've got all sorts of news. We got tons of different news. But um, for me specifically, before we get into so-called fantasy expert stuff, um, I'm uh, I'm writing with FanDuel now, which. Um, I joined the team about uh, you know, the beginning of June, and uh, myself and Eric Mack, who I, I worked with over at CBSSports.com and, and uh, SI.com, and uh, Joe Pisapia, who we know from so-called fantasy experts. He's posted a few articles over uh, with us for his fantasy black book series. 
and um and we're churning out content there and uh and uh we've got some exciting stuff ahead we're trying to kind of keep it under wraps right now but um we're building up this team and we're excited about it it's it's pretty cool it's um it's so far the people i know that are involved are uh are good let me put that like there's a there's a good team being built and uh it, it, myself excluded it, this is a great team and i'm happy to be uh happy to be with them um and then so secondly so that's if you play you know if you're playing FanDuel, we're going to be basically every week we're going to be um right. helping you with uh picks and strategy mostly strategy and and um and how to how to learn how to play and how to win and then uh um secondarily or primarily so called fantasy experts dot com um Doug and I are happy to announce we have a uh customized draft boards that we're starting to sell nice. and it's a big deal for us I and mean, this is the first real product that we're selling and and we're super proud of this um it's going to be something that uh, it'll be up there this week. We'll be um, posting some uh, pieces for it and uh, basically get your te- your league name printed right on the draft board. You get over 400 stickers, player stickers. You get, uh, um, you know, however many teams you need, however many rounds. It goes up to 20 rounds. You can, I think it's 14 teams, and then if you want more, you can get more than that. Um, team name stickers. Uh, all sorts of stuff. Doug, what am I missing out of that? Well, I, I, you know, one of the things Buck and I have talked about is that daily fantasy football, uh, you know, he's of the mindset that daily fantasy football is going to take over football for the most part. And I, I agree to an extent because it's custom made for football. But the one thing that will keep season long fantasy around in fantasy football is draft day. You know, and it's a special occasion. You got your buddies around and all that. And you do these draft boards. You know, we're going to have the leagues that buy our draft boards. They're going to tweet us pictures of their drafts and stuff. And we're going to get all the league names. So it's going to be a pretty cool deal where we're going to highlight some of those leagues on the site uh, that use our draft boards. There's just nothing like draft day for fantasy football. You know, you always got the guy who gets too drunk and is drafting the kicker, you know, in the third round and that. So we want to (laughs) document that on these draft boards. In memoriam, like forever. They'll always have that. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And you know you mentioned the the uh the the um daily fantasy football sort of taking over you know what i envision as a as a the future or as at least a uh, part of the future of yeah. fantasy football is daily leagues daily you know like a a seasonal league that does daily football or weekly football I've been trying words, to get my league to do that. Right. Exactly. In other words, you know, the 12 guys that you play your seasonal league with, every Sunday you also do a daily contest between the 12 of you. And then however you land in that 12, then the next week, you know, that's that's your, uh, you, you know, it's like rotisserie points maybe. You know, that's how many points you have. Then the next week you do it again, and wherever you land there, it gets combined with your first week, and then and then it just goes through week 17, and I, I honestly, I think that'll be a way that we they start to marry the two, um, keeping your same guys that you always play with, but still doing it uh, weekly fantasy football style, but with a little daily twist. Yeah, and one of the downsides of football is yeah, you have the great draft, everybody's house, and they bring chicken wings, and it's it's all good, and you draft 
three players, and all three of those players are out for the season by week four. Well, guess what just happened to your season? It's yeah, pretty yeah. much a scrub. Recovering from that, baseball lent itself a little better to recovery than football. So that's kind of the basis for my opinion of football being much better suited to a daily format than fantasy baseball. So we'll see how it evolves. And, and Dave, I think it's a, a real neat idea that you've got with saying, yeah, kind of a hybrid. Everybody plays daily, but then the results count uh, on an annual basis or, or kind of uh, cumulative. So it'll be interesting to, to see if that comes to pass. Let me ask yeah, you real not, quick. Let's not tell you, anyone about it. Let's keep it between us three and we'll build a site <laughs> and do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> let, let me let me let me ask you though, because you you mentioned Joe Pasapia real quick, and did either of you guys or both of you guys? He posted a picture of the fantasy black book cover from this year. Did you guys get a look at that? Because that is flat out a classy looking publication. I did, I did. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, I think uh, it's sponsored by Fanduel. I think it's um. Yep. I think it's a combination. Yeah, it looks sleek. Very nice. The the, the best way I can describe it is it's uh, like a black leather look cover with gold embossed writing on it you know fantasy uh football black book and it has uh, joe Pasapia, of course and um and fanduel on it but just a really classy looking publication so congratulations to him and dave congratulations to you for landing that gig with fanduel that's that's a really oh, awesome thanks. thing and hey dave and I, good I, luck. I did have one favor to ask yeah um since you're basically you're running fanduel now uh you know, Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesdays, the Tout Wars Challenge, I haven't missed yet. Every week I'm in the top 50. But last Friday, I, I, first time in the in the uh, Tout Wars Daily, I'm headed toward the top 10. And I go and check my scores, and I see I see the the Rays are in the sixth inning, but for some reason Jake Odorizzi only has 4.1 innings pitched. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, it was a, a guaranteed top 10 finish. You know, you need to push for like a uh, retroactive putting in a pitcher who doesn't get hurt thing. Oh, dude, yeah, I, we we have um, we play like a little um, inside tournament. Uh, the FanDuel writers like just a just a private tournament between us, and because um, what it is is we have a lot of uh, football writers that join the team, and so they're also getting in on learning daily fancy baseball they're not writing about it necessarily but um you know so we're helping them learn it so we're doing some inside turn and i was all i was telling them i was like go to rizzy and uh paulson the first baseman for colorado i was like lock it up those two i'm telling you and same thing i was i was crushing it i was looking great odorizzi was pulling me back because it was a late game mm-hmm. odorizzi was pulling me back pulling me out know, straight towards the top and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, And that's why I tweeted out, too. I said, uh, I wonder if um, Nolan Ryan and Sandy Koufax ever had a strained oblique. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they didn't. Like, when, when did this injury, when was this invented? And why is it now happening to 90% of the pitchers? I think Sandy well, Koufax probably... pitched through strained rotator cuffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Right. Yeah, and plus they didn't have strained obliques. They said they had a sore side muscle or a sore, you know, whatever. It, it wasn't, or somebody threw their shoulder out. You know, how many times did yeah. you hear that back in the day? Well, okay, what was really going on? Nowadays it's the information age, so we know that it's a it's a subluxation of the acromioclavicular joint or whatever. 
We we don't say, oh, I threw his shoulder out, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. but how many different different times did you hear, you know, just just general terminology? You don't hear that anymore. Uh, Dave, let me ask you real quick. We're going to be going through some of the, the, the swings and misses and the home runs that Doug and I hit back in the spring. When you're doing a player assessment for a daily game versus a, a yearly game, are there any differences? What, what's the mindset difference? Short-sighted. Looking at a short-term versus long-term. Yeah, just short-sighted. What's ha- what, what is he going to do for me today? So it's looking at, uh, you know, I'll look at, you know, we've talked about, it's funny, Doug and I have been writing daily. We've worked together in Daily Fantasy now for since 2012 when we both, was it 2012 or 2013 with com. So we've kind of both, uh, you know, learned it through the years together. But um, one of the things uh, I'll look at is I might look at is rec- a, a player's recent history. And I'm not looking at batter versus pitcher, and I'm not looking at is he a hot hitter or is he, is he ice cold. Or what? I'm looking to, to make sure he's sprinkling in hits in his last 10 games. And that tells me he's not hurt or he's not, uh, you know, out of it. Like it, it, just, to- it just shows me that, that he's um, – with it, you know what I'm saying. Like if I see a bunch right. of zeros, I'm not necessarily thinking a cold streak, but I'm thinking he might be hurt, so maybe I avoid him for that. A lot of guys, a lot of uh, um, DFS pros will double down on that and assume he's about to get plenty of hits. Um, you know, at any time, like he's going to regress upward. In other words, where let, let, let me let me let me back you up real quick. Double down. What is that, please? Oh, I, I say double down. Just to, that's my own term. Like in other words they'll look for the cold hitter. Like, for instance, uh, Matt Kemp. Right. You know, how how cold was he for, you know, weeks? And then all of a sudden he blows up, was it last night, I think, with uh, with Homer yeah. and five RBIs. And um, and I'm starting to, uh, you know, you mentioned the Jake Odorizzi. I'm starting to, I'm, put, I'm compiling a list of term, terms that we'll use for daily fantasy, like, for instance, the uh, the Matt Kemp, um, of course not. Oh, I think I call him Tom Tom Delay, like uh, you know, like the Delay, but Tom Delay, and that's a guy that you for five straight days you put him in your lineup because he's only twenty two hundred bucks, and you know he's going to break out. And you know he's a good hitter, and he just hasn't come around, and you know he's going to blow up one of these nights. And then that sixth day, you move away from him, and he blows up. So it's mm-hmm. like a delayed, you know, like a hand grenade. You know, eight seconds after. You're ready for it to blow up, but uh, so if you come across some more of those terms, uh, maybe you can come up with one for Odorizzi there, uh, Doug. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll be working on that. But anyways, yeah, by double down, it. I just meant I just yeah. meant that they they look for that and they and they will play it in tournaments and they'll they know that everyone's moving away from that player because he's cold. But like you know, in baseball. See, season-long fantasy players know that that ebb and flow, you know, that he's going to rise back up at some point, and you want to be on that side. Like you guys were talking earlier about uh, um, what player was it that you're – oh, Solaire, about getting him now, while he, and he's going to be on his way up. Uh, in the same way with uh, with these DFS guys, they, the tournament guys. The latest term going around daily fantasy seems like it's everything's contrarian. The contrarian stacks, and so it seems like it's going against what what seems like common sense. It seems like it's going against that, but actually it's kind of playing the odds that things regress to the mean. A hitter who's doing poorly, if he's healthy, is going to 
going to do better. So kind of betting along those lines. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah, whereas in yearly fantasy, the player is the back of their baseball card. And they're they're going to get there one way or the other. Nobody's going to hit 275 every month. They're right. going to hit 310. They're going to hit 240. And, and like you said, there the ebb and the flow. Well, it's it's much more uh, focused, magnified, I guess, with a with a daily game. You just who's going well and who's not going well right now. Doug, any anything to add to what Dave said? Uh no. I I just think it's it's enjoyable in that some of us. You know, we've been playing fantasy for 20-plus years. It's nice. It's one of the reasons I enjoy daily is because it's, I'm not tired of season-long fantasy. I still enjoy it. But it's nice to, to have to look into things and do research and to learn new things with daily fantasy. Yeah. You know, one of the first things that popped out was the batter versus pitcher numbers. You know, and I, I'm going to be honest, And when I when that topic initially came up, I'm like, well, of course, it makes sense. You know, I played baseball, and I knew there were some pitchers yep. that I You and I, I was right behind you. I was I was vehemently behind you on that one. I totally agreed. But, you know, the, the, the data shows that it doesn't work. And when you think about it, you know, there's, there's a certain number of, of batters that probably do hit better off certain pitchers. But then you've got all the others, which are just, you know, sample size flukes. Well, what's going to happen happen to those sample size flukes? Well, they're going to regress to the mean. So it's you're, you're playing with fire, and it's probably going to backfire. And it's just something you can't really pay attention to. And I, if I recall correctly, like it was an email string between uh, yeah, our, the DFS Edge staff with Derek Hardy and Todd Zola and uh, our buddy Robert Poe. And I remember Cardi trying to explain it to us, but he didn't do a great job. It was just uh, just small sample size. But then you and I, it seems like we, well, maybe it was even a poll, like we talked about eventually, if it's a small size, and say it gets up to 80 or 90 at bat, where this the batter versus pitcher, it's a, you know, it's a larger sample size, and you kind of would believe it more. By the time it gets to there, you're talking about over like a player's eight- or nine-year career. They're different players. Facing <laughs> this pitcher, and they're completely different players. The pitcher's different. The hitter's different. They're both completely, you know, so, you know, I remember, even, I remember that email string, and we were kind of like, oh, yeah, all right, well, we'll, let, we'll agree with that. <laughs> we finally came around. <laughs> yeah. David, I know you're a little pushed for time tonight, but is there anything else you want to you wanna chat about while we've got a few minutes? Uh, you know, I have, uh, I have a few fun columns coming up on FanDuel. Um, on uh, and obviously on so-called fantasy experts every Wednesday and Saturday, I write the daily picks for FanDuel on uh, so-called fantasy experts, and it's funny because Doug draws the he draws he drew the Tuesday and Friday columns, which happen to be also the the days that the Tout Wars Challenge and the Tout Wars Daily game happens. So it's always fun to read what who who Doug's gonna play that night before I play him. <laughs> it's always nice. Wow! Um, I knew I'm, it was costing me. You what? I knew it was hurting my performance. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then on Fanduel. So this week on Fanduel, I have um, I, I mentioned the the terminology piece, like a fun nicknames piece. Um, and then I'm also gonna have later on in the week. I'm gonna do part of basically going off of uh of Doug's extreme hitter splits uh 
that we have on so-called fantasy experts. It's a it's a good tool on the fantasy baseball tools um, page, and just go off of uh, some of the guys with big time differences between righty and lefty pitchers. Did you say fun nicknames? Yeah, like in other words, like the Tom Delay, like like weird things that happen oh, okay. in your daily in your daily fantasy, uh, um, you know. Uh, oh, except okay. the other ones are actually fun. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> and I call it uh, I call it the DFS Suburban Dictionary. So it's oh, like very nice Suburban Dictionary, right? Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah, like Joe Pisapia, the guy you mentioned earlier, I was on their podcast and and they introduced me to they call it the Dinklage, which <laughs> is uh, when a pitcher goes three innings or less and he allows six earned runs or more. And it's named after uh, Peter Dinklage, which is the the little person on Game of Thrones, and it's it's because it's a, it's a start that's so short and powerful that it cannot be stopped and it destroys everything in its wake. So I like that. Oh dear! This all started with the with with the Maddox, didn't it? This, this all started with the, 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 the Maddox, where you throw a shutout and it's less than two hours. The game is less than two hours. Complete complete <laughs> oh, game nice. shutout, less than two hours. It's, it's called a Maddox. Personally, I would have called it a Burley. If, you know, Mark Burley, oh. if you got ice cream in the car, he's the guy you want pitching. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's yeah, it, yeah it's, it's called a Maddox. So anyway, no, I, I was thinking you had some – because I had at one point in time, I had an all, all-time greatest names team out there, and I won't go through – Thing, but all I can tell you is my battery was Booth Bonzer and Biff Pokeroba. I mean, Booth, Booth thrown to Biff was just magical. <laughs> you know, Biff Pokeroba? Is that what you just said? Yeah, Biff Pokeroba. Just to catch for the Braves. Like the Rangers. Just catch her for oh, the Braves. Braves? Back in the day, yeah. Who am, I thinking of, who am I thinking of that was with the Rangers in the 70s that was, uh, he, his baseball card was, he, he won like a bubblegum, he was like the bubblegum champ, the Bazooka Joe bubblegum champ. Oh, oh uh, for blowing bubblegum? For blowing bubbles? Yeah. That's Kurt Pavacqua. Pavacqua, that's it. That's yeah, it. Kurt, Kurt Pavacqua could blow a bubble like nobody else I've ever seen. I knew I knew it was a name that had vowels and consonants. Yeah, lots of, yeah, so I'd like to buy a vowel, please. <laughs> oh, okay, well, we need to go get some more vowels because, hang on a second. <laughs> We'll Fan, I'll be right back with some more vowels. She needs to. We, we don't have enough in inventory up here on the stage. Um, so yeah, well, Dave, how how can people keep in touch with you? So uh, follow me at Twitter at David Gonis, Um and I'm writing at, uh, at socalledfantasyexperts.com, fanduel.com, and davidgonis.com. And I'm, I'm working on twelve other sites. So I got to hurry up and start writing for them too. Fantasyprostitute.com. Uh, and what? Yeah. Fantasyprostitute.com. Fantasyprostitute.com. Yeah, definitely. That's more like a. That's like a forum. That's where we just, you know, <laughs> message board. Uh, David, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight. And when, oh, when oh, in the heck? Are, when, when in the heck are we going to a raise game? I know. It. Oh, dude, when you told me about the Felix Fernandez, oh, I was so upset. That was mm-hmm. a great game. That was great. I don't yep. know. We got to figure it out. We're, we're going to go. I'm going to go see Matt Moore pitch on Tuesday night. He's going to be over in Dunedin oh, nice. pitching against uh, Charlotte. And uh, um, Charlotte, by, by the way, you guys in dynasty leagues, uh, the Charlotte Stone Crabs have a couple of guys you want to look at. One of them is Willie Adamas, who was in the David Price. Team. Yeah. He's he's 19 years old. And he's hitting 300 at high A. That's impressive. 
and they I'll signed say, a. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm glad to hear that's how it's pronounced. I've been saying Adams all this time. Yep. Yeah, Adam. Yeah. And the other fella is Deron Verona, who is a Cuban outfielder that they signed. He's 27 years old, a lot of speed. They were a little worried about the hit tool. Good defender, apparently. But he has played 10 games for high A, and he is hitting 386. So I think he's not going to be at high A too much longer. Nice. And I, I hope I get a chance to see him. But Verona is a guy who actually might make an impact in September, for just depending on what the Rays outfield situation looks like. But uh, there's, there's another kid there named Jake Bowers, who's a heck of a good player. And David, I don't think you know this. I was at a game. I guess it was about three weeks ago, and I saw a young man by the name of Buddy Borden through a seven-inning no-hitter. It was the first game of a doubleheader. First oh, no-hitter wow. I, I had ever seen. But not only that, during that game, the uh, Stone Crabs turned a triple play. So I got to see a triple play that's and a cool. no-hitter in the same game. Yeah, that, that's one that doesn't come around very often. But get get up here. You need to get over this way and, and pay us a visit sometime, and we'll uh, we'll go uh, take in a Rays game. I, I, I know somebody that works in the press box, so it's all good. Nice. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, I'm in, definitely. we got to figure it out. Appreciate you joining us, David. Take Thanks care. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Dave. Folks, you are... You are listening to the Sunday Night Sandlot on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Buck Davidson, along with so-called fantasy experts co-founder Doug Anderson and most just departed David Ganos. Doug, we have a little bit of time before we close the show. How about we take an article, one of, one of the articles that we did back in spring training and just take a look and see how we are doing so far here about a third of the way through. How's that work for you? Yeah, I think uh, since we have limited time, we'll just skip the misses and uh, only hit the, the ones we hit on, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's called selective memory. You know, boy, I remember, boy, I saw that guy coming. Yeah, never mind about the five that you that you saw coming and weren't coming. Oh, uh, okay. that's uh, it I helps my self esteem that way. Exactly. And, uh, way back on January twenty third, I did an article about potential outfield busts. And I featured Billy Hamilton, which was really kind of painful because I love watching Billy Hamilton play baseball. He is so much fun to watch. I am not convinced he's going to be able to hit major league pitching. I pegged him as a bust, and here we are a third of the way into the season. He is hitting. Where is he batting these days? Eighth, ninth, maybe? He's yeah, not they, they've kind of moved him around a little bit here and there, but uh, mostly down at the yep. bottom of the order. He has 23 steals, three homers, which actually is more than I thought he would be putting together at this point of the year. 23 steals, a 267 OBP. Uh, given the price that he was fetching back in the early drafts and really right before the beginning of the season, uh, can I can I award myself an A plus on this one, Doug, and feel good about it? I'm going to say you pretty much called it the. Uh... You know, I, I guess what we have to figure out is, is it going to continue going forward? And I'm not real high on Billy Hamilton either, but I guess there is some good news. While I was, uh, I was doing the research for the, uh, the um, by-low hitters, I came across Billy Hamilton, and I saw that his batting average on balls in play is only two forty-eight. Yep. And career, I, it's, it's, you know, he's a speedy hitter. He's going to have a pretty right. good bat. But career, I guess it's, let's see here... Uh, Wow, it's going to be it's, just, it's going to be okay. It's just amazing to me 
that Billy Hamilton can have a batting average on balls in play of two ninety three. Right. <laughs> you know, he is left handed most of the time. Uh that just tells right. you what kind of hitter he is. So yeah, you get an A plus. Yeah, because the the IP of portion of that equation. If you're striking out, that's not a ball in play. So I, I think that speed does play a factor, but I actually looked back over the last couple of years and like the, the guy last year that was the leading batting average of balls in play was or he was either first or second was Michael Kadire. Far from being a speed burner, so it, it it has a little bit of an effect, but I, I don't think it's this major overriding effect that you might think. The, my other pick, because I had a high end bust and a low end bust, and my other pick was Charlie Blackman. Uh, kind of not sure on this one, Doug. He's batting two seventy seven homers, twenty runs batted in, but a dozen steals. Now, what worries me and what I'm thinking that is because you recall Blackman last year was really, really good in the first half and really, really not so good in the second half. He batted 291 in April. He only hit 220 in May. So I, I don't know that that this is, is a home run, but I think that I, I would, I'm going to say a C plus. How, how does that work for you? Well, I think the key is that, you know, he's doing what we probably thought he would not what his numbers were last year. So, you know, right. a, a bust, it's all relative. A bust is someone that, that uh, underachieves what everybody expects. So, you know, I, I think it was a solid pick, and he's not an elite player, and uh, he's a useful player, and that's about the upside. All right. The aforementioned Doug Anderson article published on February the 6th talked about some pitchers who could potentially pull a Corey Kluber. Now, for a while, I was hoping that Corey Kluber would pull a Corey, a Corey <laughs> Kluber because he started out looking like a completely different pitcher. But, uh, Doug, you talked about Kevin Gosman, and he was a very popular sleeper pick. He's had some health issues, and he has not made a start yet this year. He's only thrown 12 innings. What do you make of him so far? Well, you know what? First of all, I have to apologize to a few pitchers because evidently, when I write about you, bad things happen because looking at the pictures that I chose, besides Gaussman, who's on the DL right now, Drew Smiley on the DL right now, and of course Marcus Stroman, who you know was out before the season started. So first of all, apologies to those pitchers. I still love them, and I think eventually they're all going to be very good pitchers. But uh, I, I guess that's the nature of dealing with pitching and young pitching, especially, is the health. Gaussman. <laughs> The Orioles keep yanking him around between the bullpen, and you know they think he's got—he's only got two pitches that are above-average pitches, but they're very good pitches. Uh, some people want to stick him in the bullpen. You know, I just—I think you can live with those two pitches if they're good enough and you locate well enough. At some point, health willing, Gosman's going to be a very good major league pitcher. You know, it's hard to predict someone turns into what Corey Kluber did last year. But Gosman's got that kind of stuff, and that's that's what the intent of the article was. So these pitchers that had the type of stuff needed to make that big jump. So are you the baseball equivalent of being featured on the cover of the Madden <laughs> video game? Well, I would say so, but when you're talking about young pitchers, 50% of them go uh, through Tommy John anyway, so uh, I don't think it's uh, any special curse that I've brought on. 
Well, we did have a couple that are one is lost for the year. The other is very questionable as to how much he'll contribute this year. Of course, the Rays drew Smiley, another pretty common uh, sleeper breakout pick for this year. And the other one that he's he's already my breakout pick for 2016. I've already made one. Uh, Marcus Stroman, boy, he looks so good, and the stuff is there. I, I the only thing that concerns me about Stroman is his height. He's he's not a big guy, but boy, he has electric stuff. And of course, knee injury lost for the year. And and if you follow him on Twitter, you can kind of follow the the rehab process that he's got. He's he's very dedicated. And he he sounds like he's already ready to come back and pitch next year. So you can you can pencil me in for for Marcus Stroman as being the a, a breakout for 2016. Doug, one that uh, I'm going to give you, boy, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a solid A. I could maybe even go with an A plus on this. Is Michael Pineda? The whole question with him: Does he stay healthy? So far, he has 70 and a third innings, 76 strikeouts, seven walks, 333 earned run average, seven and two record. Cannot imagine where the Yankees would be without him. Yeah, I think the thing, the the thing, obviously the health is the big issue that we had to look for. But when people were looking at the last year, the 6.96 strikeouts per nine, it didn't paint the picture of a high upside pitcher. But I think what we're seeing this year is that there's a lot more there than he showed last year with some more strengthening of the shoulder and arm. You know, uh, Pineda is just 26 years old. He had so much upside. To me, it was an, almost an obvious pick late in a draft to get a pitcher with that type of stuff. So, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and give myself an A because, you know, my self-esteem needs it. <laughs> but to me, it was just so obvious that the only question was health. And of of my six pitchers, three of them are out for the season. He's one of the uh, one of the Ironmen of of my my crew. <laughs> Well, while, while we're handing out uh, A's, and we're not grading on a curve here, folks. This is this is an honest to goodness A. I'm going to award you a couple more A's, as a matter of fact. One, you were talking about Canada not being as old as people think he is. Trevor Bauer is only 24 years old, uh, five and two, 294 run average, 70 strikeouts in 70 and a third innings, and you pegged him. Nice job, man. Well, I, I think what I looked for in the spring was he was making an obvious effort to throw strikes, and he showed the willingness to kind of change his game a little bit. He still walks too many hitters, and there's going to be games, I imagine, that, you know, there's going to be some bumpy ones, but his stuff is just too good, and he's willing to adapt, and I think that's what we're seeing, and you're going to see fewer and fewer. I think the other pitcher that I have on this list is Danny Salazar. I think they're both on the Indians, and they're, they're both very similar in that, you know, it's not always going to be pretty, but at the end you're going to have a ton of strikeouts, pretty good wins, and and they're not going to hurt. They're going to have solid ERAs, you know, low threes, maybe up to mid three, but uh, you know they've got that stuff that there's still room for them to step forward even more. Yeah, and of course, as we're doing the show here, we're also watching, or I'm watching ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. And uh, I, you were talking about how uh, something wasn't always going to be pretty. I'll tell you what is pretty is the best pitcher on the Los Angeles Dodgers right now today is not named Clayton Kershaw. He is named Zach Granke <laughs> because he is flat out dealing this year. Well, and I, I was just, just watching him close an inning out. And, yeah, he just 
amazing season that young man is putting together. Kershaw wasn't too bad last night. <laughs> Kershaw was not too bad last night. But uh, I'll tell you, between those two, I mean, it almost brings back the memories of Koufax and Drysdale back in the day. And remember how, how good those teams were. So, well, I'll tell you what, quite a uh, quite a show to watch those two guys pitch. Doug, what else you got for us this week? We are just about out of time. Well, you know, I talked a little bit about it earlier, but I've got a series of articles coming up. You know, at this point in the season, if things haven't gone right, how do you turn it around? You know, there are different ways. You can you can use try to make trades that exploit the, the scoring system, you know. Uh, maybe, you know, squeeze out your full value and saves, that kind of thing. But in order to really make a change, you've got to add value. So I'm going to be looking at buy-low hitters, buy-low pitchers, and then I'm going to do a little more with, uh, you know, say you're in first place and you've got a lot of surprise players on your team that have carried your team. Some of those players might be regressing back to their career norms. So I'll do that, the sell highs to players that aren't going to continue doing what they've done and you need to try to get the maximum value out of them. So that's what I'm going to be doing. A little extra time to write here in the next uh, couple months. So I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to break a little news here. Uh, right before we, we find out how to stay in touch with Doug Anderson. Uh, give, give me the, the guy right now who, if he was called to the major leagues, Doug, would generate the most excitement for you. For me, in the minor leagues right now, yeah, uh, Carlos Correa. Uh, did you look? Did you cheat? No, no. That's that's. I, nope. uh, did he get the call? He he was he was just called up. Sweet. Breaking, I have him in a couple breaking, leagues. <laughs> great breaking news and uh, very very uh, heartfelt thanks out to my dear friend Tim McLeod who was so good as to text me that during the show. Thank you very very much for that. And by the way. Uh, Prospect 361, one of the, uh, if not the top fantasy baseball podcasts out there, is uh, every Sunday night here on Blog Talk Radio. And Tim, of course, is a key part of that program and just uh, very much appreciated that he, uh, we, we, we took a little flyer on Carlos Correa in the Blog Wars League a couple weeks back, and it's looking like a pretty good move right now. Very, very excited to see what that young man can do. Doug, how do people stay in touch with you on uh, on the internet, Facebook, what have you? Oh, at Roto Daddy on Twitter is pro- Twitter is probably the best way. Um, Facebook, you know, they, they keep getting me talking politics. Just stay away from <laughs> Facebook. Uh, Twitter, it is, and uh, I'll be on there a lot more in the next few months, also. And if you would like to stay in touch with me, of course, it is at. Buck Davidson is my Twitter handle, and I also do occasionally visit Facebook, and uh, please uh, do stop by and say hi. Uh, also, I, I have kind of gotten in the habit of, of hanging around the chat room of our good friend Lenny Melnick, uh, his podcast. He does a daily podcast at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time right here on Blog Talk Radio, always a, a lively chat room, a lot of fun, some great baseball talk. So if you find yourself with some free time on a uh, weekday morning, do stop by and say hi to Lenny in his chat room. Doug, anything else to add before we sign off? Uh, no. Uh, hopefully the lightning can continue. When's the next uh, uh, Stanley Cup game? Is it Tuesday? or i got to check up it's on Tuesday. that. Tuesday. Oh, man. Yep, I, I, I worked the Rays game. How am I going to do both things at once? Well, you can multitask, I'm sure, up there. I, I, I have a hunch – 
that there's going to be more than one television tuned to the Lightning game. <laughs> that's, that's 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 just a guess. Um, so, good deal. All right, great job, Doug. Uh, folks, that will just about do it for this week's episode of the Sunday Night Sandlot. We'd like to thank our very special guest, David Ganos, for joining us tonight. It was a pleasure to have him here in the Cyber Studio. We hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to see you again next week. Until then, for Doug Anderson, this is your host, Buck Davidson, saying somebody start the team bus and cue the postgame show. This one's in the history books. We'll see you next week, everybody.